Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the second episode of Biscotti Conversations. Thank you so much for joining us. And this is my very good friend, Nathan Wyatt, who is an um, absolute student of the beautiful world around us and an avid um, reader. And he has his fingers in a lot of pies, a lot of, a lot of interesting pies. And I, I trust his judgment a lot on a lot of important and wonderful subjects. Oh, yeah, uh, Scott thank you so much. We're drinking some wonderful sake from uh, Import Japan today. <laughs> uh, been saving it for a long time for this, and you're, oh, the, you're the correct person to drink it with, dude. Cheers, buddy. Mm. It is a sipper, but I'll tell you what it is. Mm. I'm, I'm too, too used to glasses being that size. Right so on. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to kick it off, William. Cool. Oh, well, let's. Um, Nathan and I play a lot of uh, chess together. And uh, just starting on some jasmine green tea here as well. A little bit of something lovely. Yeah, Will's on a bit of a winning streak against me at the moment. But all good things have to come to an end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not too soon, though. Hopefully not too soon. Not uh, if I can help it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um,. Uh, so your travels are taking you next onto uh, voyages of the uh, ocean. It certainly is. Uh, fantastic. I've, I've felt like I've needed, um, I've had a bit of a hole in my body at the moment, and I need something to fill the void, and I think travelling around with the Navy will be a good way to expand my horizons, see the world, and become an overall better human being, I guess. Oh man, that's such a responsible and awesome outlook on... I've spent 25 years still being a kid. I think it's time to, you know, expand my horizons a bit more and see what being an adult's like. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Well, um, my uh, my dad always says that um, you know, even when you're when you're old, like even even when you're you know, sort of beyond 60, 70, 80, there's still an 18 year old. In that that person is still 18 years old. You're just frozen yeah. in time. It's like when you last see somebody. Um, and one of my um, housemates were talking about this earlier when we were saying about, um, or Jack uh, was saying that um, uh, when you when you last see somebody, that person is frozen in time forever yeah. in that state. And like you know, people that you meet, these amazing characters you meet at festivals, these wacky individuals. They're like, how you you could you don't exist outside this festival, do you? You just like you know that one person they come out for that one time a year for that festival again. That's that guy, you know that that guy. <laughs> festivals they're the most interesting interesting people they've always got something interesting going on there got some amazing character traits and it's just amazing to see that everyone is not robotic and yeah know, eat sleep work repeat yeah dude there's you know there's there are those um unique um cogs that make up the gears are you know that make up the beautiful system that is our world you know and and the the, the social antics of everything that we do in day-to-day -day life and i think there's a lot of people that take that for for granted i mean it's me me especially i mean i do i do it on many many different times where i'm just not quite you know thinking in that moment and it's kind of almost you feel a little bit disrespectful afterwards it's not maybe not during during the time you're like i just need this to be over kind of sort of thing and then you know a few weeks later you're like oh, no, i don't i wish i'd paid more attention i wish i'd been in that moment more with that person because that person deserved more of my attention than i was giving them you can agree more who yeah. do you say is the sort of wackiest character trait that you've met at a festival oh quite a few um 
I mean, there's, there's people that are like an animal people are quite cool. So, and I don't mean animal love, like lovers as in the people, representatives of Peter or the World Wildlife Trust. I mean, people that genuinely turn into animals for just that one period. So you get people like the, like owl men. Like the, there's a guy that's just dressed up as an owl. <laughs> and it's, yeah, yeah, just in, in a festival. And, you're like, hoo, hoo. and he's handing out flyers. And I can't remember for the life of me what they were for. They might have been for one of his friend's festival or something like that. And um, yeah, he was just dressed up as a massive owl. And he had like autumn colored like feathers and leaves and stuff and he was a particularly crazy and rambunctious gnarly looking dude and then but was and then all of a sudden had an entourage of of uh, beautiful uh, beautiful women behind him who were also simultaneously dressed up as out it was one of the most surreal things i'd have i'd ever seen almost like my where's wally experience on a new year once and i just saw loads of people dressed up as uh where's wally uh, when i was like sort of 15 16 yeah i mean a lot of people see that's very common on nights out but i mean the sheer amount of them like this was when it was like it must have been peak where's wally new year dressing up as time i swear man I saw Napoleon fall out of a bit in that same era. That <laughs> no, yeah, and a Roman centurion passed out in the bush uh, when I was uh, having my breakfast in the morning. Was this in Tegan, It wasn't. It wasn't the very same. Yeah, yeah. that's a fantastic. Was that place. when you went as Scots? I, that may have been when I went as the Big Lebowski. Ooh, I think oh, so. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> a fine outfit. What do, what do, uh, you do? Do you do a lot of dress up? I mean, in terms oh, of night out when you do oh, a big outfit. Oh, pretty plain with that oh the probably the last time i dressed up i went as a ghostbuster um me my friend jay and rob did you have the big gun and everything oh, yeah. all the... oh, yeah. like <laughs> basically it was like a hoover hand on <laughs> but that was good fun probably going back to the original uh topic is one of the craziest people i've met on a night out he had sorry at a festival his whole outfit was and he, he was very, very well dressed. It, it worked a lot, but everything he was wearing, he had found out a bin. Hmm. Um, so he had like bits of cords, his bracelets. He had El Bazura. Oh, it was wacky, but somehow he made it work. He owned it. And, you know. Oh, I remember you telling me about more, but uh, didn't, you, didn't you speak to the, the person oh, as well? Yeah. Didn't yeah, you? Good, yeah. Good That's how I find that. Found out all of his stuff scavenged from a bin. Oh um, no, uh, <laughs> that's so wacky. Yeah, They're yeah. like outside of some club. Was it in Brighton or Port? Yeah, yeah. So. I remember you telling me it was a very long time ago. But yeah, he was making it work. He, he owned his look, and like, I wish I dressed as good as him, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. Well, the first thing I was thinking about was um, one of the. I mean, he's not particularly wacky in terms of. Um, not what he was wearing, but just in mm. terms of a bright, brilliant, wonderful personality. There's this guy called, um, and shout out to him if he does ever end up watching this, Pierlo. Pierlo, shout out to Pierlo. Like, he, uh, we met him at um, a, uh, at a Rock Vector festival in yeah, Belgium. Yeah. And um, we kind of just, we wanted to go and meet some more um, people and kind of like meet like a few more people our age. So we were walking past him on the boardwalk and He's got um, he's got a, a huge cigarette in his mouth, and then so we stopped by him. And we said, um, uh, "Well, Jack, well, uh, 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 Jack actually stopped him and was like, so like, hi, uh, my um, uh, we're, we're we're just kind of like looking for looking for where the the scene at the festivals happening at the moment." And he just goes, um, he goes, oh yeah, guys, uh, yeah, sure, I can I can totally chill." And he was, uh, it turns out he was um, in. Uh, 
I think he's a uh, Dutch descent English uh, teacher, but he taught English at a local school and uh, lived in a uh, is this awesome caravan that he just used to follow the festival around with, I think, at the time, which was, was cool and just worked at the festivals. He was one of the stewards. And uh, yeah, and we shared we shared a bottle of Coke with him and then we had a beer with him and um, uh, we, we just sat and chatted with him for about a good solid half an hour whilst there was like some of the best bands ever and then went to go and see Paul McCartney like you know like dope and uh but yeah and he he was he was just so inspiring in terms of his tale because he'd he had traveled so uh widely throughout the world as well he'd gone to so many other countries and gone to festivals at those other countries and because he worked at festivals he'd met an enormous group of like amazing people which he told us about there um but yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, there's those those wacky people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. There's no shortage of them. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> I've I've met an amazing group of people. I when I was eighteen, I decided to go to Outlook Festival in Croatia on my own. Oh wow, and beautiful part of the world. Oh, it was gorgeous. It's it's set in an, in an abandoned fort, um, and right next to the beach. So you've got beach parties you've got at night time this huge rave fort you're like actually listening to some heavy music in like the dull like the gutted moat mm. oh wow yeah well I think they've like removed all of the spiky bits and stuff. Oh, spiky bits, <laughs> like remove the water from the moat and it's just uh, and the crocodiles yeah. <laughs> and the sharks and yeah. acid. <laughs> Anything you want to put in the in the mode. Anything, anything Bond villain flavored has been removed from the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I met the most amazing group of solo travelers from going to this festival on my own. I think when you're out of your comfort zone, and you're meeting, and you actually sort of push yourself into going to something like this on your own. Within within the first hour, I'd made friends. I'd made a couple of group of girls, and they're like, "Yeah, come come hang with me. Like, spend the rest of the festival partying with us." Yeah. Thankfully, I also had another group of friends that I'd spoken to before. And then I ended up just going with a bunch of solo travelers. And they come from all over the world. And they're the biggest, most amazing group of people. I have the pleasure to say, I know I could go, right, Patrick, I'm coming over to Canada. Like, wow. in a couple of days, I'm going to come see you. Um, equally, Tamla, I'm coming to Australia. I'm going to come see you. And even though I haven't seen them in like seven years, they'd, you know, they'd be very welcoming. They'd give me a place to stay. And like, you know, I think that's the best way to see the world as well. Yeah. Make friends from around the world and go and visit them. Quite right. Absolutely. Spreading the love, dude. Mm. Yeah. Because you're, you're somebody with a personality like that as well. You really can just, I remember the, one of the, the, probably the, one of the first time, I can't remember the very first time I've, I've ever met you, but um, so one of the first times I met you was uh, at one of our parties in second year. And um, I just remember that it's the sort of thing where you have you have like one or two sort of like one or two far, I would call them fast beers almost, you know, like they're a little bit quicker than the ones that you have throughout the rest of the evening. But then you and I, we just sat and talked about and we went from the topic of uh, physics and space and uh, the multi-dimension theory and uh, moving on to um, uh, 
Kepler and black holes, um, then rapidly moving on to the, I think we moved on to the Bush administration for some time as well. And we're talking about Dick Cheney. Speaking and... of black holes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, beautifully, beautifully leads on this. Yeah, there's a, there's an unfortunate connector point that nobody wants to admit that's, that ties those two things together. Um, but yeah. Uh, we talked about that, and then oh yeah, then we also got onto uh, festivals as well, like Burning Man as well. Like we both so badly want to go, dude, I want to go. One oh, one day, absolutely. I want to get my, I want to get my sand goggles, get my my bicycle, yeah. multicolored neon lights shooting off me in all sorts of different yeah. directions. Be yeah, so like good, man. Really cool cyberpunk look. I want to get with the top hat, the goggles, few feathers sprouting wildly. Could I pull it off though, guys? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. If you've got the, it, uh, my thought with any form of clothing is that if you've got the, if it's ridiculous, but you've got the balls to wear it, then it's going to oh, look good. If you will end up pulling it off, you can pull off anything if you feel right in yeah. it. If you feel good, if you feel like you're having a good day, because then you like, it's almost like you turn something that would almost be a hindrance, you know, like, oh, wow, I wouldn't wear that if I were you type thing. You turn it into a suit of armor because you so you just don't care. Yeah. You're just out there and you're like, everybody else is, I'm going to find somebody more ridiculous than I am. Most people aren't wearing what I am, so I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a, uh, one of those lovely little flies called, you know, glow flies. Yeah. I feel like I'm, you know, one of those in the evening. I'm just kind of like a little bright a human being. A and I'm peacock, you know? Exactly. But the most you... obvious things, they flare out, they own their look, they Peacocks are gorgeous birds. One of the best looking birds, aren't they? Oh, yeah, dude. It's so annoying as well, but like in a cool way. Like annoying in a cool way. I genuinely would want to own them. This, the same way that I wouldn't want to own howler monkeys, I would want to own peacocks. Yeah. Not like, but like just let them roam free and annoy my neighbors. <laughs> like just going around, meow, 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 shut up. Like yeah, stupid clock in the morning. Noisy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing animals, though. That's so cool. I mean, they're, they're definitely. I love the fact that that comes off from some of that bird of paradise because I think there's some beauty in humans where we we look at a lot of the animals that we that we share our world with and we 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 imbibe I think a lot of the attributes that they have onto ourselves. So in terms of things like the uh, not what are they called the birds of paradise mm. on um, places like uh, Madagascar, they they you know when they have the the dances, special dances yeah. and things. Yeah, you know, I think the humans humans do that to to kind of like seduce one another. You have a certain, uh, you know, and then that's also building relationships. Is that you've created a moment in between you and another human being that you share mm -hmm. that is unique to just you two. Even if there's another five or ten other people, every single person who is there will get a different experience of that. And then you'll have a uh, you'll you'll have a shared experience with the group, but you also have an individual lovely experience with each person there. That is, uh, you know, unique to the to the colours of your feathers, yeah. and um, that's that's so important. I think in in today's age, when, when you get so much uh, bureaucracy and tied down, or that, that not not just that, but also uncertainty. I think in a lot of um, in a lot of scenarios, it's nice to be able to just go. Right. Okay. I tell you what. If I create these rules in my head, then eventually I can have, I can start thinking of awesome ways to break those rules by just going right. I'm gonna wear that today, or I'm gonna do this today, or I'm gonna do that. I'm just gonna flavor up. I'm gonna throw a little bit of spice in my everyday life, and that it is important. 
it is essential to it. Um, what's uh, what's probably well, I'd probably say like what's what do you reckon would be the the most craziest festival that you've probably ever been to? Craziest. Yeah, so. well, I, mean, I mean, in terms of like a, a, a bit, bit biggest, maybe maybe not craziest in terms of wild things happening, but the the the, the biggest best one. The biggest has to be best of all, but the best one is definitely Outlook. I've yeah, I've had so many amazing experiences Outlook. Like um, I, I was ragging Bone Man for an hour. I, I used his artist boss to get backstage, um, and I'm quite lucky because my friend Ross he's introduced me to this huge like uk music scene of like uh well basically hip-hop artists grime a lot of grime uh no uk hip-hop oh, okay um, experimental sort of trip-hop stuff all right so you're sort of still within the grounds of g-funk sort of in the late 90s noughties you know that sort of just changed and then you've got the kendrick lamar kind of jazz influence coming in and sort of 20 like well you know 2000 no, late, late 2000s that sort of thing no sort of mod modern day but it is, I guess, a bit more. It, it's it's strictly UK hip hop. So if you think of like high focus, yeah, um, that sort of style. I don't even know that high focus would be that. I'm gonna have to educate you. Yeah, absolutely, dude. You've got so much to show me. <laughs> um, I'm not. I, this I, is not. I really think the UK hip hop scene is where it's at at the moment. Mm. Uh, the Americans gone a bit there for me. Alpha, yeah. UK hip hop is just kicking it. Yeah. But the. Basically, I, I met up with his brother, and because, again, in 2013, I went on my own, mm. they, they took me under their wing, so I, I got had this amazing experience of partying with a load of artists, and it, one thing led to another, and they tried to get me backstage, and obviously I didn't have an artist pass, <laughs> so Rag and Bone Man was like, here, use mine, because they know who I am. Oh, dude, that's so <laughs> rad. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That is really cool, dude. But that's that's probably where I've got like some of the best experiences of my life. Like I went two years on the trot, and wouldn't change a single day for the world. Yeah, parties hard, and yeah, dude, vibe out to some absolutely <laughs> amazing music. That's the trick, dude. That's the trick to living life well is find the best bit. Good, good beer, good people. That's yeah, what Hunter S. Thompson used to say, man. Absolutely. And oh, cheers to Hunter. Cheers to Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not too intensely the lifestyle, but I mean yeah. it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world to dip your toe into somebody else's ink. With with his lifestyle, there wasn't a, well, he didn't really do much. Like the fear and loathing in Las Vegas wasn't from his own personal experiences; it was from what he, almost his interpretation of it. Yeah, that's the interpretation. I would uh, I would say it's like the interpretation of his his personal experiences, yeah. though. It definitely is, because that's how you define gonzo journalism, surely, would be placing yourself within the situation scenario and allowing the story to occur around you and then extrapolating different moments and times from that that you can kind of put not just a narrative around, but you can also say, like, wow, that was really a sign of the times, the yeah, fact that so that true. happened to me. And it happened to me in that moment. And it wouldn't have happened. There's a, it wouldn't have happened to me in the one th in the you know the so many hunt you know two hundred thousand years that human beings have existed before this moment that yeah. thing that's just happened to me now couldn't have happened to me in any of those other <laughs> moments in time <laughs> and but that's the it's a long drawn out explanation I've given there to it but it, that's what runs through your head that's why things are amazing I think personally that's why those experiences are so good I think that's the beauty of the modern era as well is albeit we can't live it 
properly, but we can we've got so much access to what's happened in the past. Yeah. But now What do you mean we can't live it properly? Like for example, we can't donor chain mail and go out like properly fighting. You can do like Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, you couldn't that was like that that was that that's something that you would like to do in an evening. Wow. You wanna get your full night's outfit on Crusaders. Carry rugby tackling other people dressed as knights into bushes. but the beauty of the modern era is we can learn about all of that we can almost through books we can read about what's happened thousands and thousands of years past but because our ancestors have built up this wonderful society for us and no matter what people think we've got a bloody good society history's never been better than what it is now yeah um i would i would agree we get we're so lucky we are we are truly truly blessed yeah. i think this is one of the best eras to ever live in yeah um, I wholeheartedly agree. We've got so much personal and individual freedom. Like going back to the peacock thing, is last weekend we were watching a video from like 1920s, just like stock footage of people walking around. Oh, it was good. A bit of Pink Floyd to it as well. Gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was. California Dream and Eddie Hazel. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it, even though it was a black and white video, but everyone was similar dressed. They were all wearing smart clothing and there was no true individual expression no absolutely and that's where you get people like celebrities like groucho marx who are important because if you watch how he dresses in all the way up to when he's doing he's does um dick cavett and like the um in the 50s it's just so cool to see how he dresses because he wears the the beret but he wears it yeah, yeah. Um, like and it's got a you know he wears it to one side and it's multicolored. and even in something like even before Technicolor, you could tell that this human being is wearing something a lot more gaudy than his surrounding people, than the people surrounding him at the party, who are very incredibly well-to-do and well-dressed and Lord, and appalling. You know, and those, but it is those people that break the trend. They break yeah. that thing of like, right, that's it. I'm sick of wearing boaters and. Just, you know, just and like chinos every day. Beethoven, <laughs> right. But Beethoven with classical music, that's what one of the things that truly made him great is he tore up the rule book. He was like, well, I'm going to play the music how I think can express myself the best. And he absolutely smashed it. He revolutionized classical music. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. It was very formulaic until he came about. And I, I don't remember what song it was. But people walked out of one of his shows because they were like, oh, we can't handle this. Like, Was it the fifth, maybe? It could be. Yeah. Um, but he did get, yeah, you're right. He, he was very, he was so controversial, but he was also so loved by such a devout mm -hmm. audience group as well. And it was lucky that the devout audience group that, it, group that he was loved by were part of the, um, not just part of the popular establishment, but also part of the... Um, the people that were made up the country because yeah. he he did songs like um uh, his opus 91 i think or 92 and maybe 93 opus 91 94 93 is devoted to um arthur wellesley's duke of wellington's victory at yeah. um waterloo which oh, is a beautiful piece of victory music yeah. and see there's quite a few things you know like uh, songs like that which are done as tributes to great feet you know great and difficult and crazy terrible pieces of warfare that were going on during the time um and uh it's it's strange that they allow him to do that i mean like there's uh, one of my favorite examples is the one of uh, mozart when he um oh i can't remember what the 
pace was, but he's uh, the one that he broke into. Uh, well, he was he was a, a young man in the Vatican, uh, and uh, listened to this piece of music, which was only to be played to the Pope. Mm. And he listened to it once, and then went went out, and then made improvements on it. And I'm pretty sure that he did show, ended up showing it to the Pope. And it was one of the pieces of music that broke the the social conformity of mm. that situation because it was so good. And it was, but it was, it was an improvement on what was previously done. And it was a piece of music that was only made for the Pope. So the Pope was the only person, bar a couple of cardinals and people within the Vatican, that would have actually ever listened to this. Mm. And he just completely was, oh, well, this, this, this wasn't a great piece of music in the first place. And I think that the populist people should deserve a bit more, you know, some with a bit more oomph in it, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, that's gorgeous, that, that real, uh, and when he, when he drags that Baroque, feeling through as well lots of harpsichords yeah. and very chamber music I guess. Anyway, I'm, I'm drawling <laughs> drawling but, but Bach, Bach did the same he most of his compositions were done for a church like he he was a composer for sermons and it just turns out that some of, some of the greatest pieces of music he managed to do sticking to a formula but i think the real ones that really stand out is when he breaks the formula yeah and i think that's the same for all musicians the musicians that really stand the test of time and are the great greatest in history is the one that goes yep like i'm not going to follow any rules i'm going to play my piece how yeah. i want to and i'm going to completely innovate it i'm going to smash it i'm going to yeah. put my heart into it and i'm going to change the whole way that people perceive this genre of music absolutely Ravel, the beatles Jimi hendrix yeah. uh, just to name a few people like um, muddy waters is great as well we were watching uh, ross and i watched a really old performance of him doing um uh, oh god what's it uh, catfish blues when i was a cat you know like oh god and he it's to this Ye old, I don't even know what era it is. I can't remember to check the let's check the footage and have a look. But um, we need a fact checker behind our screen, so we can just go like, "What era was that?" Yeah, <laughs> and then the, the bodiless hand stretches into the side and gives you a piece of paper with real information on it. Um, so part of what these guys say, yeah, is it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the um, uh, but yeah, and it was to this audience, and they were just like there was just such a, an eclectic mix mm -hmm. of people in the audience of on the stage and off, uh, you know, and, and in the and in the audience, and there's people that belong to so many certain demographics that you go, like, oh wow, they're just gonna, they're so gonna hate this, and they just sit there and accept it because they have to because it's so good, mm -hmm. it's music done so well. That nobody has done like that in that unique way, format, and and sat with it and cared about it and loved it and changed bits and molded it and uh, featured other instruments that from other genres that that existed at the time that were so far away that people were gone. Putting some form of zithophone within the confines of, of the blues from the Delta blues is an incredibly strange thing to do. I won't have it. <laughs> like um, I don't know why that person's always English. English, but uh, <laughs> strict English both like yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah well said <laughs> but yeah uh, and he just muddy waters going back to what I was saying just levels this audience he has them in the palm of his hand in an era like that 
where a lot of them would have maybe not approved of him because of his because of his color or where he's from. They just shut up and accepted it because it was that good. Yeah. He's that good. And and there's there's a I just remember this one guy on a chair and like five rows back from the front and he's just nodded. He's just into it. He's like, yes. He's like, yes, finally. Finally, the blues. Guy with the pipe and yeah, he's been home. waiting his entire life to hear the blues. And Muddy Waters has just sailed down like and delivered it to him in the most, you know, like, oh, imagine if that's your first experience of the blues is watching Muddy Waters live. Imagine being some of the innovators of the blues and seeing this whole new genre emerge, like something completely completely unique to anything that's ever existed before yeah oh dude reading reading keith richards at the moment i'm so jealous of him because he's he's going from part right i mean uh, a few chapters back from where i was he's going from party to party from um he's he's ended up uh uh, Howling Wolf's house and uh, Muddy Waters is just on the chair next to them. And he's got this huge family in there with them. And I think the first time that they ever met Muddy Waters, he was on a step ladder in um, one of the uh, one of the Southern State Studios, and um, he was just whitewashing the ceiling. Nobody had asked him to do it or paid him <laughs> to do it. He was just doing it. He was just doing it because there was work that needed doing around the place. Nobody else was probably doing it i think like the, that's what i mean that's what i think we're pretty which keith richard said in the book at the time and you know he worshiped these guys mm. these guys were gods to him <laughs> like nobody plays like because they play with heart yeah you know and emotion um it's like you mean chili peppers like getting a session jamming out hanging out their crib would be... oh dude i i i wish that didn't yeah i mean that that didn't happen oh, god 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 hope that does happen on that'd be amazing but yeah that <laughs> Uh. <laughs> but what an opportunity I mean they say don't ever meet your idols but oh dude stuff that I want to I, I think it's choose your right, the right idols yeah absolutely well said yeah yeah Cho yeah choose the correct people to follow yeah those that blaze a trail behind them yeah, yeah. and love what they do and that's that's the way forward and just don't expect too much from them because they're people everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and you know sometimes if you're like for, take a guitarist for example if you're that kid that's smashed guitar nothing but guitar for days and days and months and years your social skills might not be so great so don't expect them to give you much you know the time of the day because they've poured their heart into a certain like skill certain technique yeah and discipline yeah unfortunately with a lot of things you've only got so much time to do you know to focus on certain set skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could, I mean, wh who would it be for you right now? If you I mean, if you, who are the people that you'd still like? Top five or three people right now that are alive that you'd uh, that you'd want to. I tell you what, no, I said, let's let's keep the list even wider. Dead or alive, three people. Three people. Yeah, they're probably all going to be dead now. I've said dead. <laughs> Got to be Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, that's he's on my list as well. <laughs> got to be Hendrix. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a big question. Very big question. It was very broad. Asked you and the... maybe like Socrates, the the founder of. Ah, oh, actually, scrap that. My favorite philosopher, Diogenes the Cynic. He'd probably be an absolute arsehole to me. Yeah. But <laughs> I reckon he would be the most cynical funny motherfucker i mean he told alexander the great to get out of his shade to get a story to stop blocking the sun oh dude 
And people like meeting Robert Graves and people like that are just kind of, I mean, it's on a big stretch from from that. But I mean, yeah. Right, and uh, third? Third. Right, so I've done two people that are dead. So I'm, I'm going to have to go for someone that's alive. Socrates right? and Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Well, no, Diogenes. Oh, Diogenes, yeah, it's okay. So, oh, final person. Let's go for someone that's alive. Oh, it's a big question now. Ooh, or are you just throwing in a living just for yeah, the. Yeah, 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 just for. Appease the living. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also on your side. Oh, I've forgotten his name. This is terrible, but the machine. Uh, really? Oh, dude! Well, absolutely, I'd love to party with that guy. Yeah, yeah. No proper. I would love to go for a, for a beer session with that dude. Like his, I like his podcast as well. He did a shout out to Jordan Stone. Oh, shout out! To, this is his beautiful art. I'm featuring another tip. Shout out to Jordan Stoner, Stoner Art on the uh, Instagram social media. I'll put a link in the description. Uh, uh, but yeah, he yeah he did a shout out to uh, Bert Kreischer. Um, did a shout out to Jordan Stoner on open ta open tab thirty seven or something like that. There is a no number, and I can I probably put that maybe in the description as well. But yeah, that's it's really cool. And he does like he had something to do with a with a hatchet or a tomahawk or something like that. And but yeah, he got a laugh. He made Kreischer laugh and got a shout out for him. It's so cool, dude. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. right. Um, what about yourself? You've got three people. Uh, well, I mean, because I mean, mine is always a really close match between um, Hendrix and Mozart because I love Mozart's structural because mm. um, I just I'd love to see I'd love to just sit behind him and watch him write for about like a good solid three hours or a good two days maybe. Um, uh, just watch him write a score, a whole piece, and um, or uh, Hendrix would. I would just love to sit and listen to him on yeah. an old acoustic guitar, and just listen to him for about you know like a maybe maybe a week on an on an acoustic. You know, just yeah. eat, sleep, listen to Hendrix repeat. You know, and then um, uh, and then probably another week on an electric or a month on an electric, just listening to him. To, and because he's he just sits and one hands it and then when he when he's dealing with the all oh, those videos are amazing oh and anybody who's listening that hasn't sat down and watched jimmy hendrix um performance or just listen to his one of the one of the 11 minute ones like um uh, 1983 a mermaid, a mermaid i should turn to be or one of his uh the from the um uh a band of gypsies recording live of machine gun is one of the greatest pieces of guitar work ever done in the history of mankind, uh, things like that. And then, uh, uh, oh, uh, probably my second choice would probably be somebody like Marcus Aurelius. Oh, yeah. Um, I was thinking Julius Caesar for one of mine. Oh, I think no. Marcus Aurelius will be a better shot for meditation. I get, yeah, I get all of, yeah, and the... And just to hear his actual thoughts on, I go like, right? Did you mean it about the scripture? Did you, you you did mean it when you wrote that the you know that the Earth does go around the sun? You did mean that, and he's going, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Marcus Radius has probably got to be my favourite of all of the Roman like emperors. Marcus Radius is the one that, in terms of teaching, exemplified it. Like Stoicism, amazing, absolutely mm. amazing. Unfortunately, after him, the Roman Empire spent yeah absolutely yeah that was slowly collapse the slow collapse of christendom wasn't it mm, unfortunately yeah. uh commodus or flirt 
I think he gave a lot of people. He was um, um, an amazing tyrant in a way because he gave people the belief. Because he was the only person. He didn't die in the arena, mm. but he'd uh, b because he fought in the arena. There's a. I did. I remember reading an article. Um, finished continuing on from something about Septimus Severus and that line, um, saying that. There's a good chance he was probably one of the people that bridged that gap between the people and yeah. that high echelon of um, of a political power, yeah. because he entered himself into the arena. He was willing to get down there in a place where everybody is equal. In the arena, we are all equal. It's whether or not you've done your homework at that point. You know, it's mm. whether or not you've sat and you've put in the hours with that wooden guy that spins with the sword <laughs> and the little thing you know and um uh, sorry i watched spartacus recently so. <laughs> I've not watched that yet. oh dude oh fantastic absolutely R written by dalton trumbo and um oh god who's the director it's not otto preminger it's um uh it's the same bloke that did um 2001 space odyssey maybe stanley kubrick. stanley kubrick maybe i think stanley kubrick might have done it it was either Preminger or Kubrick. Yeah, I think it might have actually been Kubrick that did it. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic film. I may be wrong. I may be wrong on Kubrick, but I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. Um, oh, what were we talking about before? We, we went on to that. Oh yeah, top three. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Marcus Aurelius, Jimi Hendrix, probably the same as you, and um, oh, meeting people dead or alive. Um, Surely Anthony Kudis for you. Mm, yeah, I mean, I love Anthony Kudis. He's, he's awesome, but I'd also love to meet... I'd, I equally want to meet John Frusciante and Flea. Yeah, I yeah. equally want to meet them. And then I also would equally, because he's dead, I'd probably want to meet Hillel Slovak as well. And um, uh, I don't know. There's just there are, there are so many people that I would want that would take that third position for me. Uh, I'd probably say something like... Uh, we're like oh, Orson Welles. Orson, Orson Welles, Welles, I'd probably say I'd love to meet and have a cigar with Orson Welles yeah. somewhere on Very some lovely lounge with a big glass of scotch and just sit and just listen to him talk shop yeah. about all of his experiences and things. That that wonderful story about him and Winston Churchill is one of the best ones, isn't it? You heard that one? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. magnificent. Yeah. Uh, exactly that's so the that that era like born in that era like and doing a movie like that and starting to rein in funds and uh production approval from all the big production companies at 25 25 he was trying to get he was trying to get a production approval and then began and finished film i think he began and finished filming at 26 it was for citizen kane which was his first movie, never done a movie before that, and just he had a genius cameraman with him, I think. I can't quite remember what his name was. Um, but he um he only mentions his name like twice in his interviews, but does give it I've never heard Orson Wells give another human being so much credence apart from uh, uh that general who was who was his favorite um human being that he ever met was that um perfect timing. Ah. Yeah, um <clears throat> yeah, that general that was his uh, that was his other famous uh, general Hen Henry Henry uh, Irvine or Irvine or something like that. Uh, he was a he was with the American general during the First World War, um, and uh, he 
gives that story about when he some young lad who yeah, was holding court was yeah it's so good that you must watch yeah like people who haven't heard that watch it on youtube it's brilliant watch all awesome wells interviews on youtube are fantastic yeah. awesome wells drunk is also hilarious awesome wells drunk is one of the greatest <laughs> videos of all time him trying to do that champagne come yeah. over champagne <laughs> champagne is fantastic oh god it's so good the other actors in it just look more and more periodically annoyed because probably by this time it's so much money take 30 take 14 but they did show it i thought for ages that they they scrapped the footage for it mm. but they did show the advert it was aired <laughs> but they there was a lot of cutting and editing and whatnot and they even dubbed over him at the end with his own voice <laughs> so it's just him and he's like that ah, was very champagne yeah. <laughs> oh, good, very good choices, Will. Very yeah. good choices. I think um, another two people that, as you as you mentioned, Marcus Aurelius has sprung to my mind, Machiavelli. Oh, Machiavelli would be incredible. I'd love to hear him speak, yeah. just talk, because I wouldn't understand any of it. But, I mean, it would just be fantastic to hear what he, at what language, because I don't even know, because he spoke, uh, what form of Italian he would have spoken is so alien to me. I just can't kind of um, I'm not too sure. In all, I can't remember what his or his origins are, so I wouldn't want to speak of it with any form of experience mm. of knowledge because it's actually it's been a few years since I've read. I read that book, um, Prince. Um, but uh, I think from his from his translations, he has his his. Just, I mean, obviously, his commentary on political gain and mm. the system during the era, and your ability to—the reason why it's so beautifully written and why it's such a classic—is obviously we can extrapolate these fantastic less life lessons yeah. on, you know, what not to do if you are going to run for political office. You know, mm. um, but I'd probably put a lot of credence on his because he—he uh, he is the the father he thought a lot by people as the father of a lot of modern Italian speaking. Yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking what what particular dial, dialect in, intrinsically he would have spoken, because I think um, Italy in terms of that is a lot of, is an amalgamation of French and Russian and uh, and uh, Spanish, I think, as well, maybe. And yeah, and obviously Latin. Yeah, and, yeah obviously Latin. Um, well, that's where you have a lot of your Spanish, yeah, because, yeah. yeah. Um, the, other, the other person is a guy called Miyamoto Musashi, who is a Jap Japanese samurai who basically, again, going up to Terra, up to Warbok, he. Five rings? Five rings, you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, screwed all of the rules of how to be a samurai, and he won something like 86 jewels and Christ. mastered just being a samurai. Like, he. <laughs> He was un unbeatable. He used two swords, which was unheard of. And yeah, he uh, amazing figure, an amazing history, and again, strategic genius. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, turn up to battles late and things yeah. with me, and it, it purposely winds up his opponents to know that they've made mistakes, and to hear him talk as well would be yeah enlightening. Yeah, absolutely. There's many great historical talkers. I'd love to meet um, young, young, <coughs> young Robert Plant would also be another very interesting person to meet. A very um, just, uh, I'd love to hear how they, how they build a song. 
Yeah. Like, and, and to hear him talk about how much he loves the jam, because there's a lot that I... I haven't done as much homework on it as I'd like, but to hear Led Zeppelin talk about the jam would be amazing. To hear how they construct it from hearing things like when you when you hear them jam on stage, when they go in a direction and they're all because you can tell it through eye contact when they're looking at each other and they're going, Oh, he's going into this. I remember this from the studio. <laughs> um, or we did a small part of this and then they just take it and run with it because they're in front of an a live audience, so the adrenaline kicks in. So and you would be the person that sort of decides it, like Oh, they all take turns. They all take turns. Yes, yeah, so, and it's a bit like how you build jazz. So when you build a jazz song, um, you uh, you have your rhythm section, which is your drums yeah. and your uh, bass and um, and occasionally a rhythm guitar if you want it, or a, uh, maybe sometimes even a horn section or a brass section can also set sometimes that tone. And then they give that... And then you have that. So you just have that, and then you repeat that. And then that's your your, your repetition moment. And then it's everybody else's job to, to go... Um, you know, put that, whatever it is that is the melody to riff, to do something... Which, you know, and it's that it's all part of that invisible grid. So when you're jamming with anybody, there's an enormous invisible grid that you all see that you all kind of stand on together that you all hit notes in different parts. And it's kind of like, and it's, it's like a, when you watch a voice recording. Um, and you can see the lines that go, I can't remember what they call there. There's um, the, the um, e equalizer to what your voice the volume bars so your volume bars are when you hit when you see your voice move mm. on a volume machine um um uh, you can uh th that's kind of like how you build us that's how you build a jazz song almost is that you have that great big invis that that's that's kind of like what the grid looks like it's that constant moving forwards you're all moving forwards together through time and you're all just hitting different bits and bobs that are that you could play no other note but those, which is why it belongs in the song. So it's jazz is different. The jazz is beautiful because it's sometimes it's um, it's it's correct that you should use notes that aren't in the song. You should break that tradition. That's what we were talking about earlier. Going back to that, when you rip up the paper, you just go that's like scat jazz. That's all that is trying to find the notes that aren't in there, that aren't in the grid, or that are or on the outside of the grid. And it breaks up your perception of listening to that song kind of thing. It allows you to use, I, I like to think of it, this is how I interpret it, is that I, I think it, it allows me to use, when I listen to jazz, it, it hits parts of my brain that I've forgotten that I have, or that I just haven't used in a long time almost. It's like it's hitting different notes that only certain sections of my brain can provide my... Breakdown, very good breakdown. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, and, but it's this, um, but... It's not necessarily more simple, but it's uh, like, because if you just think of rock and rolls as the blue speeded up, um, that that also has an invisible grid. Um, uh, the, the roots of jazz going back to the sort of the Spanish Latin and then the, the Arabic influence of the you know, that, that those are at the same time unique but they're also in today's age we use a lot more influences from all those different sections we combine a lot yeah. more so if you hear a lot of modern 
music teachings, it's a lot, it's a bit more laissez-faire. It's a little bit more, uh, you have, uh, each student has a lot more carte blanche with their approaches to music. You're allowed to do a lot more. You mm. can interpret it. You can do what you want with it. You can, you're not, you know, like, oh, right, oh, we're just doing the blues today. You can throw a bit of jazz in there if it's just the blues because it works so well. You can, like, get a saxophone involved with it, you know, break that tradition, maybe get a bit of... It's the reason why um, I, I play mostly funk is because you can do what you want with it. And if you're not doing what you want with it, you're not playing very well. <laughs> You've got to have the balls to do what you want in the moment. And if you're not doing, yeah, if you're not doing that, you're not, you're, you're just not doing it. You're not taking part. You've got to be able to do that. And then it's like, because you're, you're floating yourself in front of like every, everybody almost. You're having, you, you could play that anywhere and it would be just. <clears throat> it would be correct that you could play that anywhere. You could do it anywhere in front of any any group of people, in front of musicians, scholars, people that like this music, that music, and it is, you know, it, to quote Jane, <clears throat> sorry, my voice, uh, to quote Jane Austen, it is a truth universally acknowledged at yeah. that point that if you do this collection of notes in this order to these people, then it just works. They just understand it. Human beings just accept it because it's not existed in that format before. Think of how many notes there are and think of how many variances there are. It's like when you look at a Rubik's Cube, I heard the other day that there's some, there's so many 1800 quintillion possibilities on a Rubik's Cube and there's just so many sides and there's, so and the color and the, and the, and the chessboard is it all. Yeah, it's another can of worms. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, but that's, that's, uh, after that diatribe, that's how I, look at a lot of jazz and music and breakdowns and whatnot in that moment it's that invisible grid and i believe that everybody has the power to do it it's just training it it's like your what's his name Tyrion lannister said your, your mind is like a is like a sword and books are a whetstone yeah. it's the same thing with conversation it's the same thing with music if you play it or if you read it or if you talk often yeah. enough about it then you'll never forget it yeah of course um, i read an amazing analogy for how how a brain works. Think of it as like you've got this big, big pitch of grass, this massive field, and you get people to walk on it. Mm. And naturally, over time, people walking will like put the right path. Yeah. And it's the same for how our brain works. When we think of something, we have like a, a pinball machine, like different traces shooting off and certain shots of electricity equals a thought pattern. And the more you practice, like the more you practice that perfect thought pattern, the more defined it becomes, the more defined it becomes, the better you can recall it. And the more you can basically apply it to other, other different like situations and circumstances. And I think there's so many overlapping skills, you know, if you're, if you exercise, say music, you're naturally going to be tend to be good at sort of art as well because mm. you, you're exercising the creative part of your brain you're, you're coming up with new ideas and new um well situations really yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's creating those combinations somebody may have done 90% of everything you've done in a combination before in the in the piece of abstract art in the in the in 19 whatever and but as long as you break it just by enough and you make me give people joy you <coughs> you generate an emotional response from your onlooker from the experience of your art then that 
then, then you've won in my in my mm. opinion you've won you you have you've created something which in its totality hasn't existed before and that is, you've given birth to something yeah, like having creation is better than absolutely anything else and that's why a lot of people feel happy when they have a family is because you know your children didn't exist before and that that is that is a part of yourself and it's up to you to you know projects the traits and the what you want out like your child effectively yeah absolutely i, I, I see what you mean yeah yeah not like a you you want to you you want to instill just enough um individuality so um, like and and loving so that they they know how to perceive the world in a positive optimistic and reasoned way that is that is sensible and it's not it's not it's not skewed it's not tarnished by anything it hasn't been corrupted by anything um and and uh, and and that they that they themselves are because you, you you want your child to, to to be aware of corruption you want them to be you, you don't want them to be fearful of anything you want them to be aware of it you want them to be uh, to be able to handle it when when the hammer goes down you want them to be able to handle it as a as a a, a mindful a responsible grown-up who has a the best interests of humanity at heart whenever they deal with any scenario that is out of the ordinary and is and is breaking out chaos or is breaking out a negative vibe or feeling or something very negative you want them to be able to go like right uh this is is it a problem or an inconvenience my dad always says if it's a problem you can deal with it You've just got to put the work and the time in. It's unpleasant sometimes, you, but you've just got to do it. Or if it's an inconvenience, you can't do anything about it. It's terrible. It's horrible. It sucks. But there is nothing, bar nothing you can do. And a lot of scenarios, it's a problem. It's a problem. It can be solved by you sometimes just leaving the room, getting out of there early, getting out of there before the fight happens. Um, or sometimes it's 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 you know it's something that you can solve and buy you just it's a delicate hand on the shoulder and a pint in the other person's hand or it's a cup of tea or it's just a hug or it's sometimes it's shutting up and listening yeah yeah that's what a lot of people don't realize sometimes people just want an ear to to speak in front of they don't really necessarily want their problem solved by, by that person so i can tell you will don't do this don't do that and tends to go straight over like say your head for example but it's when you make your own mistakes that's when you truly learn from something absolutely couldn't agree more yeah you know people learn a lot more from the mistakes than they've made than their successes yeah 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 the uh the, it's the it's it's that that groove that you're talking about earlier wearing that track into the into the dirt under your feet that that allows you to you know, you, you you tread a path that you're proud of, mm. or you help somebody else tread a path that, that that you're all proud of together. That you're, you know, and I think that's what um, in the in the in the humongous, never-ending, unlimited field, hypothetical field that we that we have as human beings to to trudge across. That you, it, it's it's difficult to know where to walk. Yeah, it's difficult to know where to walk, and it's difficult to know what to do in a scenario or how to behave or how to even interact sometimes just with something can be a very challenging thing it's as cliched as all hell 
I think that's where it's necessary. You need to be true to yourself. You need to go. Ralph Waldo Edmerson, well done. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, the first success in life is being true to oneself. Yeah, yeah. beautifully said. And I'm just like, thank you. If you're true to yourself, you can never go wrong. You know, like, well, you know, I do this, I do that, but that's who I am. I, I love my life, and I grow as a person. I'm always searching for more, more challenges, really. Yeah. And, you know, if you're true to yourself. Then you can take the challenges you can take the knockbacks you can you, it doesn't matter because ultimately you're going for your goal and that's all that matters mm. yeah you you have to yeah exactly i i, I agree and you've got you got to it's, it's even that great or one step further than that of you've got to do it like uh mark, mark twain said this the uh, um it's uh it's the 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 disappointment is not uh oh no no what's that the the worst thing is not is is acting on something that you believe is to be true mm-hmm. and that you believe so wholeheartedly that it's true, but it's just ain't so. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, uh, and it's, uh, the, the annoying thing is that it's also your job as a human to go and make sure that that thing that you're approaching there is true. Yeah, yeah. You have to do, your, it sucks sometimes because you're, you have to do your homework. You have to go back into the library, to go and sit your ass down, and you have to make sure that you you don't just read it; you take in the information. You make sure that you know that it is true, and that's my that's my my a lot of my my, my pitfalls and a lot of scenarios is that I don't I don't necessarily or I start I speak because I'm so loquacious sometimes though that I I chat about something that I don't necessarily know about, and I always have to try and slap myself and keep myself in check because I don't. I love talking and I love talking about things and breaking subjects down because it's the best way that I have of understanding things is when I break them down in front of somebody or talk about it. And then I have, um, cause it's not me giving somebody a lesson. It's me. This is me going, please. I'm going to, I'm going to riff here for a minute and I need you to interrupt me and tell me to shut up or if, or correct me if I'm wrong or whatever, music, which not a lot of people do is if I scope real, I think it was 18. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You take that on board. You don't go, well, actually, no. Like, I I obey, you know. Yeah, I'll fight for the information if I've read it from a source and I believe that I've done my homework. Um, Not necessarily better than the person in front of me, but I believe that I have, um, I don't know, I have have an avid um, uh, reader's perspective Mm -hmm. that I believe to be um, sound on my side of it. And then, but then that's that's where argument and logical reasoned conversation comes from. Going to a sort of political like twang of it is that there are very few truths in politics Mm. Not necessarily because the politicians themselves are lying. It's because you can go, you can, something might sound amazing on paper and it might work for a few years. Yeah. But then over time, the long reaching effects might be more disastrous than what, than what they wanted. Like, yeah, I, I guess um, i trying to think of a good example. They're controversial. Let's go for, say, communism is people all having access to the same um it would be wonderful it's the it's the the picture perfect thing it's it's got such a negative tag after it but the fact is that communism is is for the perfect world it is for but it doesn't necessarily work on paper and that's can i switch you up to water darling sorry sorry please keep going um yeah it's basically not to say well unfortunately human um yeah, track there. Uh yeah, unfortunately like human behavior always has many different 
like aspects to it. What works for some people won't necessarily work for other people. And one of the biggest things is, say, communism, you're trying to get everyone the same sort of standard of living, but how, how do you take away from the people that have and to give to the people that have not? No one likes to say, well, sorry, well, we're going to have to take 90% of your uh, income. We're going to have to take all of your properties because we're just going to give it to the state. Absolutely. And, and it's uh, p- people have different people are not. It's not just the fact that we aren't all born same as well but we are we are born truly different we are born with real differences in terms excuse me our physical abilities you know i'm you're going to be a lot better at long distance running than i am but at the same time it might be i don't know a, a, a sprint forcing through forcing yourself through dudes holding big bags like a like a rugby encounter you know i might maybe um, you know i might be just a tiny bit better than you at that one but i mean you could probably wing it as well so you can probably just go around them so it, but then again that's that's also very important is that the the is whether or not there is that uh, which is probably true because there probably is is that that credence for a genetic argument that maybe you also have even without schooling, would you have a different approach to dealing with the solution to that problem than another human being would be? So would you, you know, because you, not because you're, because you're genetically inclined, would you be able to go like, ah, I'm going to look at this that complete way. But obviously you can't have 100% learning on each side, so it's an impossible argument. I don't think it necessarily comes to genetics. Like, I don't believe in assault per se, but I think people... You know, have different personalities. You can get a baby right from the young age, and a baby, different babies, despite them not having learned anything, will all take on different traits. And it's not necessarily the same traits that their parents had. It's just that baby, for whatever reason, is maybe more inclined to be happy. It might be due to a certain different chemical balance in his brain, per se. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's about like an 80 20 split between who you are as a person and your experiences growing up if you're someone that gets quite lucky and you have amazing an amazing group of friends and you sort of like reading and you know lots of different things to help build you as a person then naturally you're probably going to turn out to be a bit of a great person yeah whereas if you're someone that well like comes from say impoverished backgrounds and they fall into the wrong crowds they might struggle might not be so great but there's always that chance that they're that 20 percent of who they are as an actual person overcomes everything yeah absolutely yeah well well reasoned yeah. and it's the ability to almost self-criticism to look at yourself and go is this who i want to be and i think one of the biggest problems with society at the moment is no one knows how to make themselves happy hmm. The, the best people to me are the people that have figured how to make themselves happy. Yeah. You know, they've broken this machine. They think, oh, I need, if I go work and get rich, I'm going to be the happiest human being. That's true to a certain extent, but it's not always true. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, yeah, and the other thing as well is that even the people that are happy, they can still be, um, yeah, not necessarily greedy, but, um, what's that other, what's the beautiful word is, um, um, adventurous they can be adventurous with wanting to you know you right I've, well I've, we've got I've got one guitar yeah. I love my guitar and I play my guitar every day but I quite like another one it's yeah exactly it's but I think that's one cool thing is finding you know for example you you clearly know how to make yourself happy you know you've got 
your life in a good position, you know what you're aiming for. And I think it's wonderful yeah. to see, like, last weekend, seeing you jam out on the base, you can just tell just, just how much you loved playing it. And even though it was just me listening, it was just, you were vibing, you're, you're not just putting a performance on for me, you were playing it because you loved it, you know? No, thank you. Oh, you very, very kind. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm spoiled with, I'm spoiled with, uh, with kindness and luck, and in, in, in life, and that's that's something I'm, I'm forever grateful for. And it's something that is, it's made me change my my approach to my own living as well, because I've gone from, I feel like I do, I have gone from somebody that's. You can be a little bit self-destructive sometimes, you know. I, I once heard somebody say that it's uh, you, you spend the first half of your life trying to kill yourself, and the other half trying to stay alive, which is not a very particularly happy or positive way to view things necessarily. It's a very pes pessimistic, pessimistic sometimes. But I, yeah, exactly. You see where people, where the where they're coming from with that, and um, and I, I'm somebody that I've recently within the past four to five years I've really come to terms with the fact that I am so lucky I am ridiculously lucky and to throw away the the opportunities and the gifts that I have is is a really even more irresponsible thing is so irresponsible if I was to do that it's more responsible for me to work on those gifts that I've been given and put the you know when talent meets hard work um uh, you know that that uh, 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 axiom or whatever it is it, yeah um it's it's you've got to put the work in you've got to sit in the caravan for 12 hours a day and just do you know and 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 make sure that you put in that 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 time of learning and mastering it and not only that but finding out the correct the bosses of it the biggest nastiest craziest mofos that own your subject that you've fallen in love with yeah. you've got to find them you find the the giants whose shoulders you wish to stand on, and then eventually you start making the ride comfortable for yourself, and you start creating and making unique things, and you discover all sorts of cool things on the way. Um, like yeah. a, a skill is like an iceberg. I saw an amazing picture of basically it was like this is what you can see, and it was just sort of like the success, the successful sort of like yeah. words, and then underneath, under the ocean, this huge big iceberg. And it's all of the hard work, all of the the, the losses, the like defeat, the the time, the personal commitment. Everything is what creates a skill, really. Yeah, absolutely. Because that, that that's why I started doing the the podcast in the mm. first place is because I saw it as because I see people as stories. Yeah, you are a story. You are a walking story. And I, when I meet you, I will only see four percent of that at best. That is my, mm. and that is the that's the beauty of being somebody that gets to meet people like you, you know, amazing people like yourself that you get to, I, I get to have these awesome conversations with people where we, we talk about life, liberty, and the traffic. We talk about everything under the sun. We talk about, you know, literature, movies, art, music, mathematics, chess, physics, biology, chemistry, or everything that makes up the world around us. And you bridge the gaps in between the subjects. Yeah. You find common ground with each other and you... And things that you disagree with as well. Absolutely. I think everyone needs to be challenged. Yeah. You know? And there's nobody... There's You'll never meet anybody in your entire life, regardless. It doesn't matter. You'll never meet somebody that you agree with 100% on everything. Yeah. Yeah. You'll meet somebody that you'll agree with maybe 99% at best. 98%. Cool. 
I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call. Yeah, I'm gonna call. Ninety-two percent is probably probably the best that you'll agree with somebody on. Well, we're all shaped by our experiences. No one, no two people have the exact experiences. And going back to the previous topic is, say, like I like to use relationships as an example. You can have a couple, and for the past ten years, they've shared everything together. They might have been the most perfect couple to at, at that time for each other, but naturally, as as even though they've shared the exact same experiences, their their individual like personality might make them drift apart. Yeah, you know, and disagree a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Live, living with somebody for a year is is very different from living with somebody for six mm-hmm. months, seven, mm-hmm. you know, five months. You get yeah, and the same thing with living with somebody for a weekend can be sometimes very difficult. And then living with that, you never know. Sometimes living with that same person for that year, then you might completely connect because you're wow you you actually run a household the same exact way that i do you like things tidy but not too tidy but just the correct amount and absolutely yeah yeah (laughs) feng shui but yeah and i that's that's very that's very uh apt as well yeah the um like camping camping is a big thing you discover a lot about people when you go camping with people holidays holidays with people yeah like I, i went to uh, Bodrum in Turkey with a load of uh, friends, which is um, that was crazy. That was a mad time. Uh, uh, shout out to Richard Ryan, Tig, um, <laughs> uh, God, and uh, James. Uh, uh, but yeah, the um, oh yeah, and other James as well. You know who he is. Um, <laughs> Tom, if you're listening to this, you know who James is, Mister Mister B. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and we went out there, and that was crazy. And the the uh, a lot of the young lads and young lasses who who are Turkish uh, have they're very lazy fair in a lot of ways in party zones. I don't know how it is at a lot of other places, but they're quite almost they they almost have still a Greek perspective on 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 bedfellows sometimes they you know they're so uh, there's a lot of um promiscuity and a lot of um uh party and a lot of uh never-ending uh, it's like it's like neverland in a way out there that's it's a permanent there's a permanent party somewhere there's always food to be gotten at whatever hour they you know and it's it, because it's all designed a lot of it's designed around tourists but a lot of those people our locals have grown up within that tourist environment uh, with foreign people coming in and you have a lot more foreign personalities. So you get a little bit of a flavor for everything around the globe a lot more. So uh, when you have conversations with these guys and gals, a lot of, but we, we, I, we went to a bar, which was uh, completely packed with male strippers and it was a fantastic way of um, meeting interesting people because you, you get, you get, loads of um uh, varying demographics of be- of beautiful women going in and out of the place and you also get um all sorts of uh, buccaneers and you know, crazy pe- people that go in there um that you can just bond with and lee uh, you know and see and <clears throat> you share moments with people that you're like we haven't we've exchanged no phone numbers emails or any form of contact information but not even names you just meet people and you you share a beautiful moment in time with them. You pass time, you shoot the breeze with them, and you know they're like, you know, and all it costs you is a single shot of tequila. 
Yeah, and it's well worth it. And you don't, you don't, you know, you don't get out there to get you know wrecked or shit faced. You you might do it once once every once every two evenings if you're on if you're on a real heavy holiday or if you know if you have a really heavy one. You do it, you know, like let's do it every night. But then during the day, you spend most of the day with um, you know lem, lem, lemonade and local food. And you hit, hit up a market. You go to the yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you go to a little bazaar and see it, and and you know, see the largest collection of shisha pipes you've ever seen in your life. And it's beautiful. Like wow, you know, some of them are some of them are like half the size of this house. No. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They've, yeah, there was a guy that had a. It was um, almost a two-story shisha pipe. He had in the back, and like we spent ages quizzing him on like, well, so what's the travel regulations for this thing? Oh, if I want to try and take this through an airport, we were laughing so much at it. And he kind of he was like, he got a bit annoyed with us because he was like, I'm trying to make some sales here, and you guys are taking all my time type of thing because they don't like that. They prefer you go up and you know what you want and you barter and you buy it, or you go up and then you talk about the products if they want to talk about because they've gone like, oh, come in, great stuff, great prices, blah blah blah. Uh, and then I bought some Hugo Boss from some creepy dude down an alley. As well, yeah, so I, fake Hugo Boss. If, so if easily fake Hugo Boss. Oh, less than that, like yeah. about five minutes, and then it just whatever alcohol was in there evaporated, yeah. and then the just stuff just runs down your skin. It's just not particularly great at all, and that was really scary because we I thought that guy was genuinely gonna like take all of our money and stuff, you know, and like uh, well, because he he was like, he's like, oh guys, you know, I've got some stuff. Was even cheaper, mm. and I was like, "Yeah, because I need I need a new bottle of cologne. I'm going out this evening, and I don't have and I've got nothing left, and it's a Turkish market, and I'm expecting I don't want the I'm, I'm not too bothered if it's not the finest product, mm. but as long as the as long as the imitation is an apt display of at it's least something, like, as long yeah. as it's not." And uh, so I went down this back street, and the guys like, uh, like, and it's and it's getting more and more creepy. You end up walking through people's houses. Like this guy took us about through somebody's some lady's kitchen and through another guy's like living room into this back oh, alley bit and we were like <laughs> i was like looking at ryan i was just like i was so getting robbed like we're so getting from tiger tiger's like look yeah we're getting robbed <laughs> i was like i was like no it's, it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine i was like shaking <laughs> i was like oh we're so gonna get robbed <laughs> in my head and um uh, no, he just whips out a massive 1920s looking packing case and opens it up and has the largest collection of refilled stolen Hugo Boss bottles that I've ever seen in my life. And I bought one from him and I've still got it and I haven't used all of it because it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, that's it is there. I'm, I'm not going anywhere there. Like, fake off, shape. Would you say that's your scariest travel moment? Oh, no. No, definitely not. But I don't know. I mean, it's probably one of. It's, I mean, it's up there. It's definitely top ten, easily top yeah. ten. Um, the scariest uh, travel moment. I have things like um, like uh, airline dips a lot. So turbulence on airlines. I've had quite a bit. Like we we fell um, quite far once. One era when we were going over to the states, we hit some stream. I've hit like a, like just the the bot the the top of another jets. Jet stream going through the sky um, as we're going through, and you just fall like the flame just goes, Ooh! and it's all fine, but you're literally like, ah, oh, we're gone. Like you're just you've gone from moving to it feels like you've just you're still. It feels it's very strange. Um, uh, another traveling moment. We've had um, uh, yeah, it's quite, quite quite a few. I can't really think of anything. I'll probably something will turn up on a later podcast that I'll probably <laughs> be more willing to talk about. I'll remember it better. Right, right, right now. 
What be? I mean, what, what, you, you, you're the. You know, what, um, what would be your gnarliest moment in all in your travels? Okay, so, uh, or at least a top five one. No, you don't have to one, give us a top one because be this one. So, 2013 Outlook. I'm in Croatia. This is my second time abroad, and I'm I'm partying with with that group of people that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and they rented out a hotel, so I was partying in their hotel room for a little bit. And I got to a certain now and I needed to go back to my tent. So I had to get a taxi over. So I went and spoke to the concierge. And I'm like, right there, can I just get a taxi? Um, I need to, get, need to go to Fuller. So he calls someone up and two German kids come up to me, start chatting to them. And there it turns out they're going to Fuller. So we're like, yeah, this is a bit of a cab, sweet. And we're waiting outside this hotel. And this taxi driver comes up and it's a taxi driver and one of his mates. <laughs> Very unofficial taxi. Good so, start. Yeah, me and these three German kids, we kind of run to the back of this taxi. Me in the middle feeling a bit squashed. Like, oh, how's this going to go? I don't know how I feel about this right Buy now. Buy the ticket, get on the ride. The adventure <laughs> begins. <laughs> There's no backing out now. <laughs> Basically, we start driving to pull up and the German kids start hinting to the taxi driver that they want him to buy some cannabis. And after about five minutes, the, the taxi driver took their bait. He sort of turns around to us. He's like, oh, you want, you want cannabis? I'll get you some. <laughs> and we go completely off track into oh, like this no. Croatian woodland. Hinterlands. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea where we are. My phone's probably dead at this point. So if, if anything happens, I'm, I'm doomed. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> one of those moments you're like, I've had a good in. Yeah, I've had a good it run. Worth it. Yeah. He hops out of the taxi car and he's on the phone to someone. Obviously, he's speaking Croatian. And I have no idea what he's talking about. And then after sort of 10 minutes, he gets out of the car. We've had a cigarette. We'll get crammed back in. He's like, right, all sorted. Drives off. And he takes us to this, like, best way to describe it. It's like a, like a B&Q-esque type shop, like a hardware store. Like, yeah. And thankfully, it all turned out all right. Because it was just, uh, we went and spoke to the security guard of this B&Q store. Store at like 12 at night. He's guarding the place just to make sure. And, yep. Perfect. Sorted. Oh. But like that whole journey, I'm just thinking, oh, I'm gonna get murdered in Croatia. Oh, this, this kind, this is not right. Like, why am I trusting this? <laughs> oh, it's bullshit. That's Fritz. He always comes in here. Yeah, yeah man, he's local. Yeah, hardware store. But yeah, it was lovely. Like we hammers and weave. <laughs> we got out of the taxi, sat by the beach, and just chilled. And amazing, amazing. Yeah, beautiful weather out there as well. Oh, sunny clouds, but unfortunately. I don't. I must have the most worst luck when we go to Croatia because at this festival, two the two times that I went, there was thunderstorms, like uncontrollable rain. But do you know what? It just added to the vibe. Everyone just goes that extra bit hard, like harder, parties hard, just gets on with it. And the MCs they're hyping out because they're like, thunder ain't gonna stop us. Like yeah, rain can't stop the party. party. Yeah. <laughs> people just dancing in the puddles kicking it everywhere and just you know just going wild absolutely letting the reptiles yeah. get in there absolutely oh, uh, fantastic. i think that's got uh, funny enough actually i had a similar experience when i was a lot younger me my mum and my sister one of the sort of hotel like receptionists here took us out for a drink 
And I'm like this 15 year old kid going around Cyprus thinking, oh no. Mom! But he was again, lovely experience. Like, there's, there's always that backing fear when you're on a holiday that something's going wrong. But some of the best times is when you just push yourself Adrenaline. out of your comfort zone and just let, just go with the flow. You know, sometimes it might not work out, but ultimately, as long as you're fine, get on with it. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Jewish, we had one, one, oh, one. Yes. Uno, uno mass. I've got a story for you. Oh, I can't I've wait got a story for you. Um, when we're in Thailand. This time I will be sipping it. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> we're in Thailand. And um, we'll, we we talked to the, um, the kind of the concierge, the maitre d' of the hotel. And um, I said, um, cheers. Cheers, buddy. Prost. Um... Uh, Gopunka, as it's in Thailand. Gopunka. Gopunka, uh, which means uh, thank you very much, I think. Okay. I can't quite remember how to uh, how to uh, cheers, but anyway, yes, yeah, so we're talking to this concierge, and um, uh, we had uh, we were wanting to go and see some Thai boxing, proper proper Thai boxing. Let's mm-hmm. go and see the proper stuff. None of you, none of you, to because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't want to pay too much for an inter an inner city one, a Bangkok, and maybe yeah, and you just don't know like crowd and whatnot. So we thought we'll go, we'll go. Like I think that was like, oh, we, we, we'll go for something a bit more rural. <clears throat> so um, the the taxi taxi pulls up and he's ready to take us off. And uh, the guy goes, right, this is the this is the guy. Um, uh, you'll be uh, fine. He'll he'll take you out there, and he can take you back at the end of the evening as well. And we're like, oh, cool. He's probably just gonna and we were, like because this is our first time. So obviously we're like, oh, we don't know what he's gonna be up to, what he's gonna be doing whilst we're in there. He'll probably find something to do for an hour and forty minutes mm-hmm. or however long this thing is. And I think it might have been about maybe a long bit longer, probably about an hour and forty, at two hours ten minutes maybe was the whole scenario. And he takes us out to this humongous barn shed thing out in the middle of nowhere, like the sort of, like some sort of almost American looking in Thailand, some American looking outback huge sheds type thing. And um, oh god, it was brilliant. And the, the we went in there, and it was like it was almost silent. We went in there, and the entire place was packed. With with people from all varying walks of life, there was like a group of like really um, heavy, heavily uh, sort of like rather gnarly looking dudes that were all genuinely like betting, sort of like uh, in the like and just off to the one side of the whole thing, and they all knew each other and were all smoking. Like like all chain smoking, and then there was a big group of American guys. Some of them had cowboy hats, some were stra- straw cowboy hats, and we're all laughing at each other, like like oh like we like they come out this uh, every year, like oh man, there's gonna you could hear them across the thing, you know, when you like you tune into different groups, mm. it was like just that size of venue, you know, they're going oh we come here every year, it's fantastic, we 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 don't go anywhere else, and. The beauty of Americans is they really do know how to when they care their voice, and when they care about something, they go, they go full into it. They oh, yeah. really, there's no half measures, and I love that and respect them and for it. I the really same do. For almost every American, every American, there's there's no such thing as half measures in America. <laughs> yeah, so they go, they go big, yeah, big over there. Doesn't matter what it is, environmentalism or gun rights, whatever. Yeah, they go big and they go into it. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're all there. Like, there's, there's a, probably around a good 10, 12 of them all together in one group. All big, uh, fam, two families and so like about a couple of dudes and they're like the men and their mates. And then there's the, the ladies as well. And everybody's a little very loud. And everybody's very loud and very relaxed. And ev there's loads of people smoking all over the place, just chain smoking on the inside of this barn. And um, all of a sudden we hear the, um, the, uh, the, the, the beginning bell to say that the ceremony is about to begin and um, and the guy gets up onto his podium and it's the MC and the guy gets up and he's higher than everybody else and he grabs the microphone and we look over and it's our cab driver. Oh, fantastic. Our cab driver is the MC for the evening and is calling the entire match, it turns out. He's not just sitting there saying, this is this person, this is that person. He is giving a blow-by-blow -blow account for the audience in front of everybody. He's got a sound system set up in the place. This is our cab driver. This is the guy that's drove. This is amazing. And um, and he gets really into it as well. And, uh, and so our first competitors come up and they're about, uh, maybe like a nine-year-old um, and like a, a ten-year-old, uh, two uh, boys, and then uh, like they came up and knocked the crap out of each other. It was gnarly, and they come and then they do the very honourable, like beautiful, like little celebration at the beginning when they go and they bow to each corner of the ring, and then they come back and then they go in and then they and it's really insane. I'm going, oh god, just watching kids get going living crap out of each other and then there's another and then two girls came and then there was another two boys that came on that were slightly older and then two girls came on that were slightly older and um like they're both really like i wouldn't want to fight any of them like this nine-year-old kid would kick the jesus out of me i wouldn't stand a chance against him even if like if i had no rules and he only had rules he would still win against me like easily like this kid was that good like he just trained and trained and trained anyway final match of the evening comes up a headline match and it's this guy and he's got and he's like he beefy dude come the kid comes in and he's sort of about 16 17 he's about a little older than me at the time and this kid is like yeah beefy kid and he's got feathers he's got the full he's got like uh, different types of bird of paradise feathers coming out of different type bandanas and drawings and markings and ceremonial things and beads from different places and other point types of paint that his family had put on and his, he was getting touch-ups on the side of the ring as well and he just looked like this kid was not going to lose against anybody and his celebration was like he'd, he'd done that so many times and then his competitor came in the kid that was going up against him and it was this really fat kid and he was just he he just came in and he was so lazy like he was just so relaxed about the whole thing just comes in and he does his he does his uh, celebration. He's very honourable. Goes round and does each corner of the ring, and then they bow to their opponent, and then they uh, touch gloves and they go, and they're into the fight. And this ripped guy is just taking him and taking him fast, and he's just punching. And the and the the poor girl, the sort of larger kid, like the fat one, he's 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 just he's losing, he's losing, and he's got a little bit of. A bruising and stuff and he's sweaty and he's like and he's just taking the punches and you're like this kid's gonna lose man and there's like the, the americans like some of the guys the guy in the big white cowboy hat the guy with the the, the cowboy hat that's a, that's a straw one and all of the other like uh, that big group of guys that, that's other from like kind of gnarly dirty looking guys they're all betting and they're all shouting and like they, they're everyone it's like and we don't know what's going on so we're just we're just feeling the vibe of the yeah. evening in the, in the shed and we're just like yeah absolutely and um 
uh, we're going like, uh, like, oh, wow. Like, like, uh, and, and the commentator or cab drivers go, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, wow, this is uh, uh, amazing, fantastic. Uh, yeah. And eventually, all of a sudden, the big guy gets tired. And the fat guy just takes him to the side of the ring and starts punching him in the face in front of a massive oh, packed crazy. audience. And it was so brutal. Mm. It was so brutal. And he's going back. And every time, and he raised his fist up and everybody was going, oh, silence. And then he punches him and everyone goes, oh. And like even, even the cab, like, oh, cab driver's got the microphone. He's going, oh, oh, oh. Like every time this kid goes, bang bang just punching this other guy in the face and it's so like the adrenaline and everything it was just magnificent uh and the and the fat kid won by by and everybody yeah. the audience get, stood up and gave this kid a standing ovation it was fantastic and we all finished the finished up of the evening um sort of made a few one or two acquaintances on our way out of the the big shed doors open go out our um cab driver hops down a little bit more sweatier than when he picked us up in the cab gets in it says you guys have a good night and we're like absolutely <laughs> absolutely one of the greatest nights but that's why i was going back i said that because it was uh one of those stories that reminds me of what we were talking about earlier it was like those hairy times you don't know what's gonna happen and i was thinking all the way oh, oh god no this is it we're gonna get we're English tourists, we're going to get taken out there and we're going to get like put into a shed and robbed or like it's going to be some Hannibal Lecter type situation because I've only just watched one of the films a few weeks ago or something, you know, in my hotel room. Sweeney Todd was out at that time as well. So, oh, yeah. like, yeah, the, and I, I love Sweeney Todd. I thought it was a really good movie. Just like, the remake. Yeah, with, with the Helen Bonham Carter yeah, and Johnny yeah. Depp. Yeah. Cracking film. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. I was a bit surprised when they turned that into a bit of a musical. <laughs> so was I, but it was um, it was done by the same bloke that does West Side Story. Um, I can't remember what his name, but, which is why it's so good. It's Priest. Have a little Priest. Is it really good? So it's too good, at least. But then again, they come and sits of the flesh. So it's pretty fresh. You know, very clever, wonderful lyrics in there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah like, Have you ever been, been, been to a boxing match or live fights or anything like that? Uh, yeah, uh, so... Box, the gym I go to is like a boxing gym. Oh, cool. And they've got two two rings. And when it first opened, they had like a like like a boxing night, like an amateur boxing night on. Mm. And me and my friend Ross, we sat there for about five, five, six fights. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, again, out sort of amateur fights, but apps such good fun. I'm not really keen on watching sports on TV, but nothing can beat sports. Bring the live there, right in the action. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, same thing with live music. My brother always oh, says that to me. Again. He always says, um, like, he's, he's like, oh, is there any, he, he, he changed my perception a little bit of music, that, and that whole, he's one of my guiding stars and all my principles of music. But he said, um, he's, he used to go, like, for out in London, and we were looking for something to do. He'd go, oh, I wonder if there's any live music on anywhere. It's just live music. It's not... Is there any bars that are going to play nothing but this music all evening or this music? You don't go out looking for it. You just go, right, what's a live band? And then you sort of look at the names on the on the, on the the venue list and you go, oh, yeah, that, they, they look particularly, you know, sick. Let's go and see them or whatever. And sometimes just, you know, it doesn't really have to be a, a big band or even any kind of band. Just like, just, just general live music, people jamming out to, you know, all you need is really is a guitar, a drum, a bass guitar and you've got a pretty good night like it doesn't really matter exactly the simple yeah you know you just can't beat it there's nothing better than live music live music in a venue that you're jamming out rifting to fantastic
fantastic. Some of the best moments of my life have been listening to live music, surrounded by a good group of people, and just being in the vibe, letting the music take take control, really, and letting you basically just follow in the journey that that artist or that band is trying to take you on. Absolutely. That's one thing I love about Pink Floyd is they really do take you on a journey from start to finish. Every album. Album, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the albums. <laughs> you can listen to the songs individually, but to get the full Pink Floyd experience, you need to start the album right at the start and follow that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a beautiful beautiful time for us to uh, call it on the podcast. It's, uh, yeah. uh, Thank you ever so much for coming on. It was really, well, it was so enjoyable. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, every, everybody, the, uh, check out Nathan's uh, adventures. He's going to be um, probably uh, hitting up some online material and <laughs> will be definitely on the podcast again with uh, updates on his uh, life travels and everything that he's up to at the moment. And um, thank you, everybody who's uh, listening as well or watching this on YouTube. Um, great very grateful to you and uh, fantastic cool that was um awesome dude thank you again yeah <laughs>